Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the CPT Podcast. I'm Zach Wagner. I serve as the editorial director of the CPT, and I am joined by the president of the CPT, the Reverend Dr. Joel Lawrence. Hello, Joel. Hello, good to be with you guys. And also, it's been a minute since we've heard this voice on the podcast, but we are delighted to have with us, shall we call you President Emeritus, Todd Wilson. That's not an official title, but uh, the uh, former president of the CPT, Todd. Todd, great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Zach. Great to be back on. And then also we have joining us today the Reverend Dr. Gerald Heestand, co-founder of the CPT, together with you, Todd, and the senior pastor at Calvary Memorial Church. Hello, Gerald. Hey, good to be with you guys. So the gang's all here, and the purpose of this episode is to give a little bit more background on the recent presidential transition that perhaps some of you listening to this, this might be your first time hearing about it, that uh, Joel has stepped in from the previous position of executive director uh, to the presidential role, and Todd, of course, has uh, stepped out and is moving on. So we wanted to give listeners and fellows and folks uh, a little bit more background into that process. Uh, and we also wanted to have you on, Gerald, as the board chair. And you you obviously were uh, part of the hiring process and the, the search, such as it was, for our next president. Um, and we're also going to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about the CPT's history, where we've been, where we are where we're going as an organization. Um, we're, I'm going to, I think, step back from the conversation in just a moment. I'm just kind of here to frame it up and be a familiar face or a familiar voice, I suppose. Uh, but uh, you you guys are, are the brain trust of the CPT, such as it is, and wanted to give you an opportunity to talk such to each other. Yeah, and the... Uh, <laughs> as, uh, the who is it who always says that you once upon a time you were promising young men and now you are perhaps not so young and, but I'll say every bit is promising. I think there's a lot of uh, excitement and optimism about the future of the CPT and wanted to take the opportunity to talk about that together. But uh, in the interest of there not being too many cooks in the kitchen, I think right now I'm going to take a step back and I'll hand it over to Joel and Joel, you can lead us into part one of this conversation where the three of you are going to talk a little bit about the history of the CPT, uh, where we've been and what we've learned. And without further ado, over to our newly minted and inaugurated president, Joel Lawrence. Yeah, th- thanks, Zach. Um, yeah, I think in kind of moments of, of transition like this, it's it's kind of a, a, a good time to pause and <clears throat> reflect a little bit on on where we've been and where we're going. So as you said, Zach, we're going to kind of do two parts here. I'm going to lead a conversation in part one, and then we'll hand it off to Gerald to, to lead a conversation in part two. Mine's kind of the look back, Gerald, the present and the future. Um, but I don't know how many people who, who listen to the podcast know much about the history of the CPT. Obviously, some of our listeners would who have been a part of it, but I um, just wanted to take a few minutes to, to think about the origin story of the CPT uh, and, and where we've been. So um, I just Wolverine love to turn it over. CPT. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I just love to turn it over to, 
to Gerald first um, to kind of talk about uh, how the the seed idea of the CPT dropped into his head, and then we'll we'll kind of have a conversation with Todd and Gerald about the early days. Uh, and things they've learned along the way. So, so Gerald, why don't you take us back to the beginning? Uh, back to of, the beginning. Yes, in the beginning, the there was one Gerald. one of the CPT. <laughs> yeah, the Earth Pool. Uh, yeah, you know. So I, I, it. Um, I've told this in various ways uh, at various points, but a couple things came together uh, at the same time that kind of coalesced in the CPT vision. I uh, was serving in pastoral ministry. Uh, as a youth pastor, and then uh, went from there to do a graduate degree at TEDS. And um, I was particularly interested in theology uh, going back through the graduate degree. I, I'd done pastoral ministry for a while. I didn't feel like I necessarily needed to go to graduate school to do an MDiv to learn how to be a pastor. I was very focused on trying to, to shore up some some theological ideas uh, that I had. And so I noticed uh, in going back into uh, the academy, going back into graduate school, just the, I, I noticed a disconnect between what I was looking, the, the questions that I was asking uh, theologically that it kind of emerged from my pastoral ministry and the way that theology was conducted in an academic environment. And Trinity uh, Ted's it's a it's a seminary. It's I think very friendly to the church. It's very concerned about uh, training pastors. So it it wasn't like I was going to some state university that didn't care, you know. But uh, all the same, uh, there still was a lot of the theology that we were reading felt a couple steps removed from the situation on the ground. So that was a thing that I noticed. Uh, and then uh, I, one of the classes that I took uh, during my studies there was with Doctor. Uh, Doug Sweeney, who now is uh, a CPT board member, and uh, was teaching at the time at at Trinity. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, he's he's an Edwards scholar, and he was teaching in Edwards class uh, there at Trinity. And he pointed out that in Edwards' day, the 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 principal theologians of the colonies uh, were the pastors, because there just wasn't any kind of inst- institutional. Uh, presence of academic uh, schools that sort of uh, housed the theologians. So if you wanted to grow up and be a theologian in Edward's day, you had to grow up and be a pastor because that was the only the only institution that was going to pay the way for you to be a theologian was was the church. And so as a consequence, the and I, I think Doug at one point said it, but uh, I don't remember the exact percentage, but the far and away the highest percentage uh, of texts that were in, say, say uh, the College of New Jersey uh, or Yale uh, libraries, which were the principal sort of fledgling seminaries uh, of, the, of the colonial days. The majority of those texts were written by New England clergy. So the, the, the theology that the uh, emerging clergy were being trained in was theology that was coming out of the church context. And that just struck me as uh, 
it just struck me, you know, that here now, here I am, I'm, I'm doing theological work in a seminary and far and away, the majority of theology that I'm reading is actually being done outside of the church. It's being constructed in an academic environment, but in Edwards day, that wasn't the case. And then, um, Doug pointed out that this, this actually goes back further than just the, the colonies. This is kind of the pattern of how, um, theology has been mostly done throughout church history is it's been primarily the purview of pastors and bishops and priests and, and other church people uh, that have been the generators of theology. So that that was very interesting to me. And then the third kind of thing that clicked into place, I think, was I this was back in the days, if, if any of you uh, can remember, but back in the days of the emerging church, it was, it was just all the rage. And so a big part of that conversation was uh, epistemology and how do we know what we know and uh, foundationalism and post-foundational. So I was very much into uh, the, the the epistemology conversation and the effect of social location on our theological formation. And so that just kind of was the, the thing that brought it all together for me was that as we've moved theological construction and formation out of the church uh, as the, the the habitat in which theology is formed, and we've moved it into the academy, we've changed the social location of theological formation. And so the questions now that get asked and answered in the academy are not exactly the same as the questions that are getting asked and then needing answered in the churches. So the idea then for me was like, well, how would we how do we address this, right? Like, what would be the way forward? And initially, I, I think I had some uh, thoughts of creating some sort of student organization that would try to, uh, you know, help students think about moving back into the pastorate as the location for their theology. Uh, and it was right around then that Todd and I uh, connected. Um, and we didn't know each other uh, uh uh, prior to my graduate school. So we kind of connected over the CPT. Our friendship was a, was a friendship born out of the CPT uh, vision. So maybe I, I can pause there, uh, but just say that those were some of the seminal insights uh, that kind of got uh, got me going in the direction of the CPT. Yeah, so I, I'd love to hear kind of how you guys got connected. What, what was that? You didn't know each other. How, how did you get connected? Why? Did you guys get connected, Gerald? You have this seminal idea. You yeah. talk to somebody. You're trying to figure this out. Todd comes on the scene. How did that happen? Well, so I I had this idea, and I felt like it was a good idea. But I needed I needed like a venture capitalist because I didn't you know I'm not even done with my graduate degree yet you know and so I I don't even have an MA and I'm like no one's going to listen to me on anything about this you know so I was trying to find someone with with a bit more like substantive credential you know to help me and um and I talked to this person and I talked to that person everyone was kind of like <laughs> oh that's a good idea but you know they weren't much further along in their studies than I was and so um but I ended up in a very uh, weird providential way, I um, found my way one time in my life, uh, but I found my way to the Master's Seminary alumnus, alumni blog. And I don't know why, <laughs> uh, but I, I think I was looking for something on justification. No, this was what it was. I was looking for something on justification because that's a topic that I was studying at the time. And uh, so the Google search took me to the Master Seminary Alumni blog and something that Preston Sprinkle 
uh, had written there. And I'm like, okay, this guy's pretty interesting. He's got some stuff on justification that kind of res- – so I followed up with him then offline. And Preston at the time was over at St. Andrews uh, doing a, a, a PhD in New Testament. And so we began to dialogue back and forth quite a bit on the topic of justification, uh, which was uh, in the realm of what he was studying. And um, and then I, I thought, okay, maybe Preston is my guy to be, you know, my CPT, you know, compadre. And uh, so I kind of tried to sell the vision to him. And he's like, hey, this is really interesting. It sounds good, but I'm not sure if I'm coming back to the States and I'm not sure what my career trajectory is. I might be staying in the academy. So he said, but I know this guy. I've met this guy, Todd Wilson, who is over at Cambridge uh, doing his PhD, and he just moved back to Chicago, and you should connect with him because maybe he'd be interested in this. He's serving at a church. and you know, So, so I thought, all right, well, let's just try to find this Todd guy. And uh, so I was um, in Rolling Meadows, which is only about a half an hour away from Wheaton, where Todd was serving. And so I sent Todd kind of a cold call out of the blue and said, you don't know me, but Preston said we should connect and I've got this idea and you, you want to connect to think about it. And so, um, so we had the, uh, in Todd and I's, uh, narrative, the famous caribou coffee, uh, meeting was our very first, uh, our very first meeting and caribou coffee has died, but the CPT has not. So even though, we, uh, <laughs> even though we met in a caribou coffee and it did not survive, we've survived longer. So we had a first, uh, connection, uh, I forget somewhere, maybe in Wheaton or something. And, and I yeah. made my sales pitch and Todd was like, I, that sounds, he's like, I'm in, you know? Uh, and so we then began to think about how we could try to create an institutional organization that would, uh, try to address the issue, um, of how do we move theological formation back into a church context? This isn't, 16th century New England is not going to be as simple as just turning back the clock. It's different. So what, what could we do? And uh, then we really began to think and try to create uh, some, an organization around it. So, so Todd, the, the venture capitalist steps in to the scene here. Uh, <laughs> He's got his, with his money, with money burning a hole yeah, in my pocket. Always. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Young in a ministry career, fresh out of a PhD, right? Yes. Yeah. So, 29 um, years old at the time. Just so a, from your a promising, a promising young man. Promising, promising young man. Yeah. From your perspective, Todd, when you and Gerald talked, did, did the idea – did it resonate? Did it did it did it make sense to you? Did you kind of immediately see, a, hey, this is where I think this could go? Or talk to us about those early stages of of the evolution from that conversation, yeah. <clears throat> kind of leading up to the early days of the first gatherings of the CPT. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it it well, yes, it immediately resonated, and and I, I don't know that we were ten minutes into the conversation, Gerald. We were halfway done with our coffee. And you don't even drink coffee. Right? I, I, I pretended. I think I pretended to drink coffee just for that meeting because I don't. I didn't like coffee. <laughs> that was what sealed the deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I was immediately sold, and for a, a number of reasons, I was. So, um, and, and I, I don't want to give too much context on this, but but just to have my vector intersect with Gerald's vector, yeah. um, it, I. When I was an undergrad at Wheaton College, I knew I loved ideas and I loved leadership. And I wasn't sure which where that was going to go. And, and I fell in love with the Bible as an undergrad at Wheaton. And I thought, well, 
I got to teach the Bible for a living. But um, but that could either be in the academy or the church. And so it was just this tension. And then I think my sort of leadership pastoring, wiring, gifting was in play pretty strongly. And so I, as an as still as an undergrad, kind of stumbled across the pastor-theologian idea as a senior at Wheaton. Um, and and that, that sent me um, for two years to Bethlehem Baptist Church to serve and work and, and, and do a sort of an apprenticeship thing at, at uh, John Piper's church and sit under his ministry. Todd, if I can interject, when you say you, the, the pastor theologian vision, was it in that language or is it just, you were seeing it was this kind yeah, of no, trajectory? It, it was, it was, it, it was, because I, I, I mean, it's a good question. I'm trying to think back. Did, did was that the act, the ex, explicitly the language being used? I'm pretty sure Scott Haithman was the one who, was a key, my key mentor as an undergraduate. Mm-hmm. And as all of this was stirring inside me, like, I love the Bible. I want to study the Bible. Should I go into graduate school? And he was always like, get as much education as you can, as early as you can, and as fast as you can, which is what I did. I tried to take that advice. Um, so I thought, well, let me do a PhD because I love the academics. And then he's, and I remember him saying very distinctly, that won't close any doors. That'll just leave doors open for you. You can either go into the academy or you can go into the church or do something else besides. But you probably won't regret if you just do the graduate school, you know, before your life gets a lot more complicated with kids and other, other commitments. Um, and so he connected me with, with John Piper's right-hand person as an undergrad, Tom, a guy named Tom Steller, who was at Wheaton my senior year, getting ready to start this apprenticeship program. But Scott was like, if you're interested in this pastor thing and this academic thing, you need to know about Scott's key mentor, John Piper, and because he embodies this pastor theologian thing. So I so that was on my radar. What does it look like to be a a theologian-y, scholarly, thoughtful local church pastor? And so I went to Bethlehem after undergrad for two years. To that was the primary reason was to see what it looks like to take a passion for academics and theology and and serious study and and work it out in the local church context. But then you know what through master's back at Wheaton and then PhD program at Cambridge. But honestly, at Cambridge, I thought I was going to go into the academy at the end of it because I absolutely love the research and writing. Joel, you remember you were there. We were there yeah. together, overlap for three years. And, and I thought, you know, and so I had some academic teaching jobs I was applying for and all this stuff. And then in God's good providence, he just absolutely intervened toward the end of my time at Cambridge and called us to go back to Wheaton to serve at College Church, where my wife and I attended as undergrads and grad student, where I interned with with um, Kent Hughes, who some of the listeners will know that name, uh, and then served as his associate um, uh, right after. I I remember well, Todd, sitting in the in the bat garden at Tyndale House after this lightning bolt from God had come to call you in a very different direction than what, what you were planning and, yes. and sitting out there and, and talking it through. I think you had, had you gone back to the States for a, a short time yes. or maybe you were about to go yeah, back? Yeah, no, it's exactly what it yeah. was. We were home for a little summer break and, yeah. and we returned right after Labor Day in the fall or like yeah. early September. And the we flew out of Chicago. We were in Indianapolis with our family. We flew out of Chicago. And before we flew back, we met with Kent and Barbara Hughes. And and that that just the Lord used them and our relationship and was just at work on the whole thing. Anyways, 
Um, so I had a lot of that stirring within me. And then I land at college church. I'm fresh out of a PhD. And I really thought I was going to be an academic at the end of Cambridge. But now I'm pastoring and doing adult you know, adult ministries and church planting and ministry, all this kind of stuff. And so my, my getting ready to interact with Gerald, so to speak, like what God was doing in my life was all of that background from undergrad through Bethlehem Baptist and pastor theologian thing and seeing it through John Piper and all this to doing a PhD, landing in a local church and trying to do large church pastoral ministry with a burning desire to be a research scholar at the same time and finding that that was stunningly difficult to do and incredibly complex. So I, you know, I would, because, you know, like large church ministry context, when you're particularly when you're an associate pastor, you're managing. So I was managing so many things, you know, four or 500 people in the women's Bible study ministry space was under my purview and church, you know, all this kind of stuff that didn't leave a lot of time for working on my habilitation shrift, right? My second academic book, which is what I was trying to do while I was a college, a pastor at college church. I would get up at five in the morning and I would go over to my office and by six o'clock, I'm sitting at my desk trying to write a book on the, a a kind of supersessionist reading of Galatians and Heilsgeschichte and all this kind of fancy stuff. And, and it was just agonizing. It was really complicated. In fact, during that time, um, I had a professor at Cambridge who had gone to St. Andrews named Marcus Bachmuel, who reached out to me and said, hey, would you do you want to apply for this lectureship at St. Andrews in New Testament? And I, and I started to I did apply for it. And I thought, you know what? This whole pastor thing is not is not quite sinking. And I got this academic thing burning within me. And then the Lord, I applied for it after I'd been at college for about a year or so. I thought, you know, I came back, we're doing this, probably time to go back to the academy. And the Lord then just again kind of moved and and reaffirmed the pastoral calling. And shortly thereafter, Gerald and I are at the Caribou. Hmm. So Ger- the way I think about it is Gerald like had the had the Jonathan Edwards church history, his academic interest and exposure and engagement with Doug Swin, all that stuff like burning within him um, and working it out in a mega church in the northern suburbs of, of Chicago. And I had my own personal journey. It was more of an existential sort of vexing thing for me. It was less like church history insights. I wasn't quite thinking along those lines. I was more just like academics is important. I love academics. Now I'm a pastor. How do I, how do I give vent and expression to this in the context of church ministry where it's very inhospitable to that kind of work? And so it was, um, when he proposed the idea, when he laid out the idea, it resonated entirely. And, and in many ways it was like, yes, that's a great idea. Let's see if we can't lean into that. So that was, I took a long time with that, just to give my personal background of how I showed up at that caribou and why it was a kind of an immediate romance, um, for Gerald and, and, and me on, on the CPT thing. And then if I could just do the venture capital thing, just try to say this quickly, the, the whole venture capital thing is in God's good providence, it, you know, Gerald going to the master's seminary, getting connected with Preston, Preston knowing me because Preston ended up actually writing the dissertation I intended to write at Cambridge 
My dissertation proposal to get accepted to Cambridge was to do the use of Leviticus 18.5 in Paul and, and Second Temple Judaism in the Old Testament. That's what Preston ended up writing his dissertation on. So we somehow we got connected through that experience, which is crazy. Um, but the, 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 in God's good providence, here we are connecting. And it just so happened that most of our friends, Joel, as you know, coming out of Cambridge, went into pastoral ministry, not into the academy. Remarkable. Um, and so there was this little stable of pastors with PhDs that resonate either they already resonate with, or they easily could easily be sold on the vision of pastor theologian. This is who they are. This is what they want to be doing. Um, and so when Gerald was like, what do you think about institutionalizing this or creating some little organization or movement. I thought, yes, we, I think we can do this. This is a, this is a viable concept <laughs> from an adventure capitalist standpoint. We can, this is ready to go to market. <laughs> well, and yeah, yeah I was going to say that, it, you know, the, the image that comes to mind is kind of Gerald was the match. Yep. You were the match box, but there was kind of a, a pile of wood ready oh, to go. Sure. This, this, this core community that yes. we were together at Tyndale house in Cambridge. Right. And we yep. were having some of these conversations, right. About <clears throat> theology in the church and yes. the direction of the American church and pastoral leadership. And there yes. was just, I think, again, in God's good providence, a community of, of people who uh, were thinking in this direction and uh, with kind of the spark that that hit, that was the the early flame that started right. to that started to burn. So so I think it was 2008. The first group gathers in in Oak Park. For yeah, the first and fellowship can I just say group. can I just say real quick, yeah. Joel? Sorry, sorry about about just a little more venture capital like yeah, kindling that caught is being at College Church at the time created a little uh, space for us to try out. This so we had our mm. original gathering of people um, at at College Church back in 2007, I think it was. Maybe it was in 2006. But in God's providence, calling me to Calvary Memorial Church as the lead pastor was a huge providence because what that enabled was a church community, yeah, where we could set up shop, so to speak. It would have. It may have taken a different form or taken a lot longer for it to get going if we wouldn't have had that Cambridge network and we wouldn't have had a church home that is still the, the ground zero for the CPT and, the, and the, the office for the CPT. And Gerald is now pastoring the church, right? Like if that in God's providence wouldn't have come about, um, uh, that, I, I just think that would have taken, a, taken a, a much longer time for the CPT to gain some momentum. Yeah. So, Gerald, let me let me invite you back in here. The, the, the early days, the, the group, the ragtag group comes together 2008 for the first official fellowship. Uh, how have you seen the organization uh, grow, evolve over the years? Uh, what has surprised you about the, the movement of the, the CPT? Would just love some of your thoughts as you look back on how mm -hmm. it started and, and, and where it is as we've been moving through the years. Yeah, maybe the early days of the CPT can be described as zeal without knowledge. <laughs> it's just uh, it was uh, we had a lot of zeal and a lot of I I idealism about, you know, what we could do and uh I you know, we've joked about this the three of us, but just that 
that first uh, gathering, uh, we I think we had like fourteen paper presentations. I mean, it was exhausting. I mean, it, it was we ridiculous. Just, we just we just you know ground ourselves to a nub, you know, over a couple of days and and um, and uh, but there was such kind of a sense of like, oh, we could do something different. And and it's I think it's true. And the Lord has uh, used the, the organization to to kind of create some new pathways and to do things different. But I, but I think there was an initial sort of energy and zeal that uh, has been tempered um, uh, over the years uh, and matured into something that's a, maybe a bit more realistic. I think the initial vision uh, remains still solid and viable, um, but the, the, uh, the way that that's going to take shape and the, uh, the rapidity with which it, you know, will take shape, I think is a little bit different, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think one of the things, uh, we've learned over the years, uh, and maybe to back up a little bit and say, one of the things that was kind of the seminal insight of the CPT, that's a little bit different than just sort of like, uh, we should have pastor theologians. You know, let's let's create an organization that just is interested in doing pastor theologians. Um, was the idea of having uh, pastors who were were constructing theology for other theologians and pastors? So different than just a, a theologically informed pastor that pastors. Uh, their own local congregation kind of responsibly and intelligibly, you know. Um, but the idea of pastors, like in Edwards' day, writing and formulating theology that was then being used to train other pastors or um, uh, uh, to shape the theological work of other theologians. So we had this vision of, initially, of what we called ecclesial theologians, um, theologians who had a like a robust writing scholarship uh, theological ministry. And uh, that's still part of the CPT, but I think what we found is that's a lot harder to pull off uh, than what we maybe uh, hoped for in our initial, uh, kind of our initial visions. So um, we began to recruit into our, our CPT fellowships uh, ecclesial theologians. So that it, it wasn't initially, a, it wasn't really a public facing ministry or organization initially. It was very much kind of a, let's pull all the hot coals together into like one place and try to create a fire. And so this is where the the Cambridge network uh, that, that Todd had and that Joel, that you were a part of uh, in the early days was so helpful of like, and just establishing an initial collection of, of people that wanted to do pastoral ministry and that had um, the highest levels of theological training that you know can be had, you know, in our contemporary context. And so um, we then we then began to recruit, as it were, more people, like-minded people, to that collection of people. So uh, we then added a second fellowship, and then we added a third fellowship, and uh, now we're up to the sixth. But um, we probably have 120 fellows or so currently. Uh, but what I think has become evident is that of 120 fellows, uh, they're not all um, producing theological scholarship on a kind of a year, a yearly basis, writing monographs, putting those out that other theologians and pastors are interacting with. Some of them are, 
but many of them are not. So I think we've had to rethink um, what is the role of pastor theologians, ecclesial theologians? How do they lead theologically? Um, how do we uh, kind of reshape the vision around what's possible? Uh, and um, so I think, you know, we still have, we do have some fellows, and, and I think this is still remains my vision, uh, of wanting to produce theological scholarship and monographs for other pastors and theologians. And so that still is very much a viable thing. But we wanted to broaden that out uh, uh, a fair bit so that we can have some more room for theological leadership beyond simply just writing a monograph, um, you know, with Baker Academic or OUP or something like that. So, Todd, let me ask you to respond to the same question, yeah. kind of from where it was, where it is, how has it evolved from your perspective? Uh, what is what has maybe surprised you along the way? Yeah, that's. I mean, Gerald Gerald captured the heart of of it. Um, I remember we did a ten year. We went out and Phil Riken, who was the president <laughs> of Wheaton at the time, was kind enough to let us. Uh, I shot him an email said, "Hey, we're going to come out and do a day retreat and do a state of the state of the state at the CPT." can you give us something on campus? And he was like, well, come and you can use my boardroom. I won't be in my office that day. Blah, blah. So we spent a whole day in his room uh, on the whiteboarding it. And I think it just dawned on us like, dang, this trying to do this vision of the CPT as, as I think Gerald was originally envisioned it um, is, is pretty tough. I mean, it's actually, it's really tough. Uh, so, and Gerald just spoke to that. Maybe I would add my, my two pieces on that are one is practically speaking, it's very hard to do ecclesial theology that is robust and substantive that is, 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 um, speaks to other pastor theologians, much less academic theologians, like it's written at that kind of a level. It's hard to do logistically. When you, particularly when you're a preaching pastor, when you're lead pastor of a, of a, it doesn't need to be a large church. Certainly, a large church maybe might even be easier, but um, can be. Um, that's that's really hard to do. Just logistically, you're, you've got so many demands on your time and attention, and the weekly rhythm of preaching is is so. So that's one. But the other thing I noticed, and so this may be personal testimony on how I evolved, is my voice changed over time as a lead preaching pastor from what it was right out of Cambridge as a pastor, where I was still very much, I was enculturated in the academic culture, but I'm now a pastor. But my culture, my instincts, my aspirations, my, all of that was shaped much more by the academy than the church, because I'd spent much more time in the academy than the church. But then over time, preaching week in and week out and everything else related to leading a church, my voice changed. And and I would even say like my, my interests changed my prioritization of, um, and this isn't a, a move away from ecclesial theology. It is certainly a move away from academic theology being mm -hmm. done by a local church pastor. Yeah. If you were to say to me, Todd, I want to give you a month so that you can write another New Testament studies article on some fine detail of Galatians or Pauline exegesis, I just would be like, I don't know that I've got time for that or the interest for that. It's fun. And if you if I actually sort of just like lived in some parallel universe, I could get really excited about it again. And I love Pauline exegesis. Don't misunderstand me. But it's just in the in the 
the entire ecosystem or economy of pastoral life and the church and me. And so, so that, that's been an evolution, I think for me. And I, and I suspect that's true for many of our CPT fellows. So we talked, Gerald, you teased about right, all of us out of graduate school and we got all these 14 papers at our first symposium and everybody's writing all this stuff. And then everybody starts leading congregations and preaching regularly. And it just the burden of time and the pressures of time and, and, and life stage, but then also the, the prioritization, like how you assess what is important and your contribution. Um, that I think has, has evolved for me. And I've, I, I have tried to sprinkle that into maybe a little bit more than sprinkle into the, the, the organization itself of trying to, without downplaying or certainly undermining that original insight of, of um, ecclesial theology from theological reflection from the church for the church, um, trying to broaden it out a bit to enfold more people who resonate with the pastor theologian vision, but either don't have the competency or the capacity or the conviction, so to speak, to do the ecclesial theology Gerald was describing. And wanting those folks to be in our orbit and all of us pulling at the oars together. Um, so that's been part of, of, I mean, that's been the way the, the CPT has evolved over the last five to seven years, eight years. Um, and, and has been, I think, an important part of my sort of leadership of it. Yeah. And I think, I think what, you know, to piggyback just off what you just said there, Todd, I, mean, I think the reality is writing ecclesial theology as we first conceived it is, is a lot harder to do um, yes. because, and I think probably what I would say, and this was part of the original vision is the institutional structures and supports that yes. enable that level of theological reflection have all moved to the Academy. Absolutely. So a local church just doesn't easily provide this sort of institutional support for that kind of theological project. I mean, you guys over at Cambridge and you're at Tyndale house. I mean, there's like so much richness that makes yes. that possible. That's right. You know, right. you're a local church pastor in Iowa, pastoring a congregation of 85 people and the nearest library is, you know, four and a half hours away or whatever, you know, like it's just a lot trickier, you know? So I think that is, we've had to become more realistic about like what the landscape is. I would say that the, um, the challenge, like we still want to hang on, like the, the way that I think we get confused is that we are advocating for pastors to write academic theology while being pastors. In other words, yeah. they're just doing exactly the same thing that academics are doing except they just do it in their study at church and that's not what we're saying like we're trying to carve out a middle space between academic theology and popular level theology that sort of is just translating academic theology down to congregants we want to we we do want to remain uh an institution and an organization that encourages the construction of theology for the church but but i think what we've had to come to terms with is that's harder to do than we originally conceived of and i think we're looking to uh to figure out as we move forward into the next you know you know 20 years of the cpd's ministry like how do we uh be more realistic about what we can do. And then also how do we provide some of the institutional supports that actually make ecclesial theology a viable thing for pastors? So, yeah, that's good. So uh, let me jump in with a, a couple observations kind of in this transition moment as we're, we're moving into the yeah. next season of our life, just to summarize a couple of things you guys have said. Um, one is I think 
I think one of the things we've we've learned over the years, I think this is fair, Gerald. You can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong on this, but that the original original vision really was the academy was kind of the goal of it, right? It was changing what would be taught in the academy. And what I think we've learned over the years is actually no. And the idea there was you go to the academy in order then to shape the church. And I think what we have done is said, no, we're going to give me be more directly about the church. Like if the church is the proper ecosystem of theology, then let's be focused on the church as, as the ecclesial location for theological reflection. We're still in relationship with the academy and academic theologians, but in a sense, we've kind of bypassed that write books for the academy that then will be used to train pastors who then will be in the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And now we're more directly about building the ecosystem of the church as the theological habitat. Um, so that's one observation. The second would be, I think it changed then the product, if I could put it that way. In the original vision, which by the way, the original name was Society for the Advancement of Ecclesial Theology, which is is very... Um, Captures it. what it captures is it was perfectly on mission (laughs) it was it was was. the goal was producing ecclesial theology right that was the goal so the product was books articles now i think center for pastor theologians that name change is kind of an evolutionary statement the product is pastor theologians who can write books and articles and and many do and we want to promote that but also many don't and they're going to be preaching regularly and they're going to be leading bible studies in their church and we want that out of out of this identity of pastor theologians so one of the things i see in kind of the the this transition that we're in both a leadership transition but but just kind of an institutional transition is kind of coming to terms with the fact that really this is an identity project. This is about building the identity of the pastorate in the United States, creating a new imaginative vision of the identity of pastor as pastor theologian, out of which flows different kinds of work, different kinds of products. Like we said, some we have some in our 120 who do write books, serious books. And we want to create structures for that. We have others who aren't going to do quite as much book writing, but their ministry is going to look a little bit different. And we want all of that to kind of capture the scope of the pastor theologian, rooting it in this identity. So I think getting a little more intentional about a formative process to produce pastor theologians. And so as I kind of think about yes. where we are and, and where we're going, it's it's investing energy in that product of pastor theologians, uh, and through that, hopefully, Lord willing, you know, in 20, 30 years, we look back and see there are thousands of pastors now operating out of this identity of pastor theologian, and and their churches are being theologically equipped as the proper habitat of theology. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and I think what you said there, right, is, is, is correct and kind of a shift in like our target audience because I think in the the early days my thought was oh so all of these 
fledgling pastors in Edward's, uh, you know, colonial uh, days are being taught by theology that's been written by pastors. So like, let's get more theology into the seminaries, right? So we got to create context for pastors to write theology that would then like find its way to the seminary so that folks like Kevin Van Hooser and Doug Sweeney can teach with pastoral theology rather than just academic theology. But one, I think that that's uh, a lot harder to do, as we've said, and it's not uh, entirely uh, what's needed, I don't think, frankly, given the fact that this isn't colonial New England. Like we now have, there's a robust academy that's doing a lot of academic work, so we want to benefit from that too. But I think what we're what we're doing now is recognizing that we can provide theological leadership straight to pastors, right? We don't have to like utilize necessarily academics to get to pastors, but we can provide theological leadership straight to pastors. So we want to be facilitating and inculcating ways for pastors to provide theological guidance and direction and leadership to pastors. So yeah, I think that that captures it well. And and I think one of the things that that does sorry Todd just real quick one of the things that that does is it it frees the academy to be the academy yes while freeing the church to be the church right so the academy doesn't have to do all of the academic work plus then the yeah. pastoral theology and I mean they 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 do that in an academic way but our vision is you come out of the academy you step into the church and here we are the CPT ready to take you and walk alongside you for your your journey of ministry equipping you as an ecclesial theologian now now leading in the in the context of the local church so so to me it it it's really exciting because it's not a competition between the church and the academy yes. it it allows the academy to be the academy while we create this vision and bring pastors into this vision of of the the the, the church and the ecclesial theology of the church yeah I agree with that, with both with what both of you have said. Um, one way to think about it is that it's the, the evolution of the organization has been allowing the social location that Gerald you talked about earlier, the social location of the of the church to have a more formative influence on the mission of the organization. I think it would be fair to say, Gerald, both of us's primary social location when we got the thing going was the academy. That was more formative in shaping our horizons and our thinking. At least for me, it was. Um, and I think yeah, I mean, somewhat for me too. Maybe not quite as much, but yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So, so yeah, just uh, the horizons that we, you know, when we're thinking about what's what's significant, what's important, how do we how do we affect change? I think we were framing it up largely in the academic um, horizon as opposed to the ecclesial church horizon. Ironically enough, <laughs> but I think what's, <laughs> that's been I think a good evolution for the organization. I think what's fun about that, though, is even with that, right? Though the the seed idea of what we're doing today, almost twenty years later, was there, and it's it's taken us a little while to figure out exactly how it plays out and exactly where it is. But but I look at where we are and where we're going. It's not a a, a in distinction from where it began. Yeah. It's continuing that work and kind of living into that that original idea now i think in more more robust ways and in and in new ways and and again that's one of the things that's exciting to me about this because this 
kind of idea of the pastor theologian, the CPT didn't discover this. It's we don't mm-hmm. have a copyright, right? We don't have right. a trademark right. on this thing. <laughs> um, it's a it's a movement, and now it's out there in the world. I was at a conference a few weeks ago, and the pastor theologian as an idea, as a concept, it is it's a thing now. Yes, and so right. to kind of be able to continue to to play our role in shepherding that uh, is is exciting to me. And, and I think we're well positioned to keep giving vision and, and guidance to this conversation. So we're in this transition period. Uh, Todd, um, you're transitioning to some, to some new, uh, new horizons. Tell us about what you're up to and kind of how God has been working in, in your life to lead you to this place. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and a lot, lot to be said, and I could go on for a long time. <laughs> we could turn this into a therapy session talking about the transition. <laughs> we did uh, because we did any, any, you know, any, as, as all the listeners will understand, um, any major transition like this is, is a complex layered thing. It's usually not one factor that leads someone to make a significant life and, and career transition. And much less leave leave an organization that you've invested nearly twenty years in and, and love and are deeply connected with. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe I'll put it this way: um, um, I I was sensing, I, I, yeah, I was sensing. Uh, well, let let me even back up further and say when I transitioned from Calvary five years ago to go to the CPT full-time. Gerald and I had any number of conversations about that, of course, as Gerald will well remember me banging on his office door and coming in at 7.30 or 8 in the morning, all hot and bothered about the about how to, how to move forward with all this. Um, but I, I didn't think, and I don't think Gerald thought, that I, in making the move to the CPT, I would be there for 25 years. I just didn't have that sense of I'm going to yeah. transition the CPT and I'll do it forever. I, I didn't have that. I thought coming to Calvary, I would be at Calvary forever. I did. Um, and in the Lord's providence, I was there for 10 years and the Lord moved me to the CPT. But I didn't have that same sense going to the CPT. And Gerald and I th- both kind of agreed, like, this is going to be a season. And then that season is going to come to a close. And who knows how long that'll be. And, and <laughs> Well, I think we both were like, we hope it works. <laughs> it is financially viable, Wilson. You can you can like pay your bills, uh, and uh, uh, so so stepping into the CPT, I came in with a handful of goals in my mind to really get the organization from something that had a good vision, a good network of people that cared about it, and some growing brand reputation, so to speak, to trying to get it from there to a, a more stable, sustainable, enduring organization. And so, um, and, and that was very exciting to me, the entrepreneurialism of that, the stimulating progress and growth of that, the organizational challenge of that. Um, and I thought, let me give my energies to that. And, and if, and, and try to tackle a couple of things like, um, Develop a more ro- a much more robust fundraising base. Which which um, it should it just needs to be said that like when you stepped into the role, it wasn't like someone had handed us a million dollars so that 
you could could do that. So like, you know, it wasn't a surefire thing that that was going to work. So, you know, it, kudos to you. I mean, that my my wife's father was worried that I was going to be able to take care of his daughter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, he's like, Wilson, what are you doing? (laughs) But that was exciting to me. I mean, y'all know how I'm wired. Like I just, that was very energizing and exciting to me. So it was to develop a fundraising base, help develop the board, um, develop a staff team that can kind of facilitate a more robust ministry profile, expand the programming, um, and, 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 and hire my replacement was number five. And then number six was, um, to help the organization transition from CPT 1.0 and 2.0 to 3.0. And we've already talked about that a little bit more, the filling out of the CPT. So those are sort of the five or six things that were in my heart and mind to do with the CPT. And in God's good providence and with a ton of help and a lot of grace and a lot of, a lot of things that's basically come together, um, over the last five years, including hiring my replacement, which was usual coming on three years ago. And you'll remember when we were talking even back then, um, I, I remember saying like, okay, Joel, you got to come on board. Cause I got to get hit by a bus so that you can take over the CPT. <laughs> Cause I just had a sense I wasn't going to be there forever. Um, and then, and then time, you know, the, the not forever came around and I really sense like it's time to transition. Um, the CPT is in a really good spot, feel really good about it. I can, I can step out of the way and it won't jeopardize the viability or the sustainability of the organization probably much at all. And you were excited about leading the organization. And that was super exciting to me. And you have a much, you had in your heart and mind, if the Lord were to um, orchestrate things for you to be able to step into the presidency, you had in your mind, I think, um, to serve for 10, 15, who knows how long, um, a long-term vision. And I just thought, I got to get out of the way to enable the next season and chapter of the CPT's development and evolution and growth. What was mine to do for the organization? I feel like I've accomplished in terms of as a full-time employee and leader. Um, and now it's, it's time for someone with frankly, Joel, with your wiring and gifting to give it energy and, and leadership and, and me to get out of the way. So, so that was sort of the, 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 the driver out and, and maybe just to note, not every leadership, not every career transition, as listeners will appreciate, is a pull to some new thing that's that's pulling you away. Some transitions are, hey, it's time for me to free up an organization by not being the leader of it anymore, <laughs> right? Uh, not because it's anything going wrong, but just it's it's the right season uh, to do, to do that. It's the right time to do that. So, um, so that was what I sensed very strongly. And I think Gerald, that was on your, you know, you are affirming, confirming that and, and, um, um, and, and Joel as well. Um, one of what I'm stepping into, I am with all that proviso aside, I am very excited about, I've been doing, um, a lot of mentoring. You might even use the language of discipling, mentoring, coaching pastors through the CPT for years, Um, and, and I started a coaching business, an LLC about three, a little over three years ago, um, to formalize that, give structure to that. And so I'm really excited. I'll be giving a lot more of my energy to developing that 
um, and spinning off a, a new 501c3 called Integrated Pastors. The LLC is called Integrated Leaders. The, the 501c3 we call Integrated Pastors to help um, really give more concerted effort to, to coaching pastors so that they're not only pastor theologians, but they're healthy and, and, and not going to blow their life and ministry up. Uh, so I'll be doing that. And um, about in addition to that, about six weeks ago, I had a, uh, a dear friend, CPT fellow, who's now the president of Southern Wesleyan University, found out about my leadership transition out of the CPT and said, hey, why don't you come work with me and just help me with a variety of university-wide initiatives? Um, his name is Bill Barker. He was a Cambridge friend of Joel's and, and mine. And uh, so I've agreed to, to do that, and I'm just getting started on that as special advisor to him, helping with advancement and a variety of other entrepreneurial kinds of things, which I think suits my wiring and, and gifts pretty well. So I'll be doing those two things uh, in tandem um, for this next chapter and season of my life. I, I do want to honor my father, by the way, with just one adage. My dad, you both have met my dad, who I love and is amazing. Um, he, one of his favorite sayings in life is, timing is everything in life. Timing is everything in life. And I, I just think that's so true. And in the context of this conversation about about the CPT and about leadership transitions, timing is everything in life. I think all of us are tempted to either hold on for too long in a particular role we're in or to get out too early. Usually get out too early because we get bored or we get frustrated or there's some suffering or we hang on too long because we don't know what else to do with our lives or there's anxiety or fear or whatever. Um, so I've tried to live by that and, and trust in, um, that, uh, that the, the timing is right for this transition. So that's a bit of what I'm doing in the background to it. Hey, uh, so to give you a little bit of a free promo, but integrated pastors.com, if people no, are integrated leaders.org, integrated leaders.org. Okay. Inter leaders and we don't that have the pastors been... spun up yet. The pastors is okay. coming. So keep, keep, keep yeah. tuned, but integrated leaders.org integratedleaders.org. That's great. I'm going to rest control of the baton, the hosting baton for a second here, because Joel, I think it'd be helpful for you to speak a little bit as the incoming yes. president. Uh, your sense of calling in this and, uh, and into this role, uh, this wasn't just sort of like, well, the next thing in line, I'm just going to take this role. Like you, you have a sense of calling to this role. And then what do you see, uh, like where the CPT is going? Like what, what kind of excites you about the future of the CPT? Yeah, so I think sense of sense of calling goes <clears throat> goes way back. I mean, from that that first gathering in 2008, I just have very clear memories of stepping in with that community and and thinking, you know, what this this is it. Like this is there's something really important going on here. And I was at that point in time, I was a, a professor at at Bethel Seminary in St. Paul. I was the teaching pastor of a local church. Um, and so I was kind of in both worlds of the church and the academy. I had been going to, you know, ETS and AAR and I, I liked those things, but, but it was, it didn't take very long for some of the sheen of, of the academy to, to wear off for me and just started to think about what, what really do I want to give my life to? And at that point I had opportunity to start pastoring a church. And I, I did both church and academy for a number of years. Um, 
And then I became the senior pastor of a church in St. Paul from 2013 to 2020. And all through that time, kind of deeply engaged with the CPT, giving giving ener- my writing energies were, were kind of going towards the CPT. And, um, and so I, I just, from the very early days, kind of felt in my bones, like there is, there is something important here that I want to be a part of. Uh, and you were, you were yep. tenured, were you not, uh, at uh, Bethel? Yeah. yeah, I was. I mean, I yeah. think, and that, I remember that, uh, particularly because both you and then also Mickey Clink was tenured at Biola yep. and both of you, uh, left tenured positions in the academy to pursue the pastorate in part, uh, around this vision and maybe not just in part, but like very much motivated by this vision. So, yeah, so this has been a, a thing near and dear to your heart. Uh, for a while, so but keep going. That's good. Yeah, yeah, v- very much motivated by by the vision and by the community, right? Like being with with people, and I, this is one of the things we hear as people come to CPT is they step in and they think, oh, these are my people, right? Like there's, I find something here, I resonate with this, and that gave me a vision, for, which had been kind of like Todd, you know, kind of lingering, lurking over the years. Yeah. It, it it didn't come upon me just in 2008, but but putting language to it, starting to be able to see how it could be fleshed out, what it could look like, that that really was um, was very much a part of my development in my pastoral ministry and stepping into pastoral ministry with kind of a clear sense of, I want to do this as a pastor theologian. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? And, and, and then try to start living that out. So so that, that was my, my, my trajectory. Uh, and then uh, probably... 2018 ish or so Todd and I went out to lunch after a conference and we're kind of started talking about where we're going and might there be a place for me more formally in the CPT and those mm. conversations kind of developed over a couple of years. And I was, was brought on in 2020 as the executive director. So been in full time with the CPT for the last three years. Um, so I, I, I've just been, deeply impacted by the vision and the mission of the CPT. And over the last three years, being able to come in and give some organizational leadership to the the, the movement and connect with our fellows, uh, be, be a part of kind of shaping the future has been really exciting. And so, um, Todd, the conversations we've had the last year or so about, about possible transition, transition, I just want to honor you in the way that you have uh, led this transition and the sense of timing. I, I feel it. Like I feel yeah. that that you know, your your father's adage has played out really well in this in this transition. Uh, I feel you know honored and and called to step in yeah. and shepherd this organization and be part of the conversation about the American pastorate as we move into the future. So I just briefly say, so we can wrap up our time. Um, like the, where, where are we going from here? Uh, I think the, the way I think about it is we're kind of taking what we've learned over the last 15 years. And now we, we kind of know what we're doing at this point in time. And now we're going to execute it more broadly. Right. And I, I think it's this identity project that I talked about a little bit ago of, of seeing pastors live into their identity as as the theologians 
of the church. We're, we're convinced at the CPT that the pastoral office is the primary theological office. And, and if pastors aren't living out of that identity, all kinds of other identities come in and the pastorate gets squirrely, right? And, and, and other kind of visions of success come in, other visions of, of, of the kind of criteria of how am I doing as a pastor comes in. And, and we're seeing, I think, a lot of the, the bad fruit of that bad tree in the church. And so continuing to cast the vision of the pastor as theologian, bringing more definition, clarity of, of what that means and what that really looks like beyond writing books, but to living out the pastor at what difference really, what material difference does it make to be a pastor theologian in the life of the pastor, but in the life of the congregation for the health of the church. So we're going to be broadening out our, our scope, bringing more pastors into the vision through an expansion of our local theologian fellows program. I think it's really where some energies are going over the next couple, three years is bringing in more pastors to our fellowships that we have, connecting them with each other. One of the things that we've learned over the years is it's in that context of of enduring relationships that the uh, pastor theologian vision really gets worked out. And so we just want to bring more pastors into fellowship with each other, build this identity, and through that, do the ongoing theological formation that that we're about. So what's exciting to me is it's not like I'm stepping into a thing that's broken and needs a ton of changes. Yeah. I feel like we're running on the tracks that we're supposed to be running and and Todd has he stoked the engine and got the train moving and now I'm I'm stepping into the conductor's chair and we're going to keep on pushing it forward as we as we move into the future is in God's grace. Here here. And I just I want to just say uh on behalf of the board and as the board chair uh that we're just very excited Joel for your yes. uh, stepping into this role. And Todd, you've uh, been at this labor for a long time and then did uh, such a tremendous job in getting us uh, to where we've gotten. And, uh, and I think there's just a recognition across, uh, across the board, literally, uh, that, uh, Joel, your gift set, your wiring, your interests, uh, your passions are, are just what's needed for uh, moving forward. So I've, I've said it a number of times, but there is a very short list of of people that I would want to entrust the CPT to, and you're at the very top of a very short list. And so I'm personally excited and the board is very excited for your, your jumping into this role. Yes, That's I really that encouraging. Entirely. I, I really appreciate that. And, and, uh, grateful for the board, Todd, the CPT team, our fellows, I, I'm super excited about where we are and I don't want to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't think we have any concerns. We have, certainly believe the best about you going forward, Joel. So I didn't want to didn't want to end on that note. I've been kind of waiting in the wings or listening, kind of in the gallery of this conversation um, and with baby Adeline here, and she's uh, actually cooperating very well for this last little bit that I'm recording. Which yeah, I'm pleased. She's excited too about Joel. She is excited. Uh, only only good vibes for uh, President Lawrence going forward. So thank you so much all to all three of you for joining for this conversation. Gerald, thank you for uh, just sharing with us again a little bit about the inception of the CPT. 
And we would be remiss if we did not just acknowledge our great Uh debt of gratitude to Uh you, Todd, for your years of leadership in the CPT and your role Uh in getting the organization off the ground Uh here. Yeah, Eddie Joe is uh, is (laughs) on this bit as well. Um, And just all... Uh of our excitement about this new phase with you, Thank you. Uh, in the president's chair, yeah. such as it is, Joel. Um, thank you again for this. Uh, to listeners, be praying for us. Uh, be praying for Joel as he is leading the CPT going forward uh, for all the logistics and vision and responsibilities associated with that. And I think we can leave it there. Excited for... Uh, the next season and thanks everybody for listening thank you thanks guys thanks for listening to this episode of the CPT podcast a theology podcast for the church If you appreciated this episode, could I ask you to consider sharing it online with others, rating the show on Apple Podcasts, or even leaving a review? Uh, It means a lot to us, and it helps others hear about the show. The CPT Podcast is a production of the Center for Pastor Theologians. You can learn more about the CPT by visiting us at pastortheologians.com. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. The host for today's episode was Joel Lawrence. Our producer and editor is Trenton Jones. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerlicher. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.